So because I kind of feel like it's pointless to concentrate on what has already happened because the only actual thing you can do is learn from that and like be smarter from the experience you had. But future is always ahead of you. And if you work hard, it's going to be as great as you want it to be. This podcast shows that Ukraine is not what foreigners see on television. Together, we will break all the stereotypes about Ukrainians so that when the flag of Ukraine is lifted anywhere in the world, everyone will know Ukraine and its unique culture because today, Ukraine has a dynamic new generation that will change the world. Hello, my name is Aziz and I have a deep connection with Ukraine. My grandfather volunteered in 1987 to help liquidate the Chernobyl chemical radiation because he believed in humanity. He was a real hero for me, and even though he struggled with cancer after that, for the rest of his life, he always told me many great things about Ukraine and its people. Then, from 2018 to 2019, for two years, I began working with UNICEF in Ukraine to help build orphanages for Ukrainian children. And thank you all so much for the support. More than 160 people participated in this project for Ukraine, from the vice president of the Helen Marlin Group to the vice chancellor of the UGCC Church to the president of the Erasmus Student Network Kiev, to the president of the World Trade Center Kiev, to students from the FLEX program, Ukraine Global Scholars, Yale University, Harvard, and the London School of Economics, to the United Nations, to the Vatican Church, to interns at the Ukrainian Parliament and at the Canadian Parliament, to top 1% students in Ukraine. But not only them. This project is for all Ukrainians from all backgrounds. And if you wish to participate, send me a message on Instagram at aziz.future and join the Telegram channel at Kiev Future. My goal is to make interviews with hundreds of Ukrainians and the world is listening. This podcast is already top 50 in the United Kingdom, Germany, France, Switzerland and Monaco, top 25 in Austria. Germany, Canada, Russia, and Poland, top 15 in Australia, Italy, Spain, and Dubai, and top 10 in Norway, Sweden, the Netherlands, South Korea, Singapore, and many other places because this is now officially the number one podcast on Apple about Ukraine. Together, we will break the stereotypes. Together, we will help all other countries discover and respect the greatness of Ukrainian people. And this good reputation will support the development of Ukraine, creating more opportunities for every Ukrainian to have a better life. So let's begin. My guest today is Yelizaveta Fedorovska. Liza is a Flex alumna 2017 and now a sociology major at the National University Kyiv Mohila Academy. She is the co-founder of the NGO platform of new diplomacy 
an apolitical public organization that develops the direction of Ukrainian diplomacy through non-formal education. Lisa loves traveling, storytelling, and problem solving. Lisa, how are you today? Uh, Hey there. I'm finally happy to be here with you. What about you? I'm excited, happy, and ready. And to begin to ask you this, these days, these months, what has been the thing that you think a lot about often? Oh, well, that's a complex question. Uh, Since finals are coming and my coursework is due in a couple days, that's all I've been thinking about because it was taking so much of my time. And also, you know, like mental health issues and like being anxious. So I was like jumping between these two, like being productive and not getting my, not letting my anxiety in the way. Thank you. So it's balancing mental anxiety and mental health issues with your coursework that is due in a few days and keeping productive and busy in order to distract your mind from anxiety. Did I understand correctly? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Because uh, for a couple of years now, I've been struggling in times and waiting in more of them was anxiety and like being just worried about the outcomes of the things I do about the results about my performance and about just like future so I've been learning a lot of techniques how to deal with that and the thing that worked best for me is just keeping myself busy concentrating on what is ahead of me and that's what I've been doing for the last months just to get through and then relax. Thank you. So the technique of staying productive and busy in order to distract yourself from anxiety, from thinking about the results of and the outcomes of your work as well as the future and that calms you down until things will be done and you can relax. Right. Exactly. And has the pandemic exacerbated, changed, and or added anxiety? Or are you more of an introverted person, so it was the same to you, whether before or now? Actually, I'm really, really extroverted. At least I thought so before the pandemic started. Over the course of the last year and something... I I was like a chameleon, you know, going from one thing to another one. At first, it was really hard for me to stay isolated and like keep this physical distance from other people. Yeah, like uh, modern technology and staying connected online helps. But at the same time, it's different from like impersonal communication. And then there were times when I was enjoying this uh, pandemic a lot because I could stay at home. I would not be in the crowd I could just like stay in one place and be productive and work towards my goals at this point I'm balancing the two of those so there were days when I need some people and a lot of communication and I jump into social situations while in some others I say I stay away from people as far as possible to keep myself um in this mode of work and succeeding towards the things I'm planning on doing and doing at that point of time. Thank you. So it seems to me you're an ambivert. And to understand more, in general, even without the coursework and the worry, 
but maybe as a little girl or a teenager, were you always more thinking about the past or being totally present, not thinking about the future? Or were you always thinking the consequences, the results, the outcomes and the future events? Um, to be honest, I'm a pretty result-oriented human being. So I try to worry less about the past because like, I cannot change anything because it's already done. So I try to do my homework on the past, evaluate what has gone wrong, what could be done better. And I concentrate on what's in the future and how my steps today can benefit, how my future can benefit from my steps today. So because I kind of feel like it's pointless to concentrate on what has already happened because the only actual thing you can do is learn from that and like be smarter from the experience you had but future is always ahead of you and if you work hard it's going to be as great as you want it to be thank you and are you proud and happy about this identity of being outcome oriented or sometimes because of perfectionism and anxiety, you wish you were more chill and relaxed? Um, so I wouldn't call myself a perfectionist because um, how I learned this year in one of my courses on uh, social interactions is that actually perfectionism can be considered one of like sides of mental issues. And I do not have those. At least that's what I tell myself. Uh, I think perfectionism can be good in some situations, but in most it's disturbing and it's distracting you from the results you're having because you're always aiming to be better and greater. And it's like switching your focus from the actual process and the result to something you may not achieve and that makes you sad and um, annoyed and anxious. So I try not to aim for it like the best the most amazing the most impressive i'm trying to be good at what i'm doing i'm trying to be realistic about what i'm able to do what my resources are what my state at the point is not to um you know that feeling when you have like such high expectations and then you do not achieve them and then you you're really bummed out because so you had this good experience, but it wasn't as good as you wanted it to be. So with perfectionism, I try to avoid that because um, it's better to be satisfied with, with what you have done than being um, sad about what went wrong and what uh, your high expectations were, if that makes sense. I agree with you 1000%, but I'm not sure I understand how different that is from the current anxiety about outcomes you might be experiencing. Is it different than perfectionism? And how different is it? Um, so like on the easy example of finals, I, I have a bunch of deadlines due in like next couple days, not only my coursework, but a lot of final papers for many courses. And at this point, I'm not trying to do them perfect. I'm just trying to do them. So I'm not aiming for like 100 points in all of my classes. I'm 100% I'm sure that at this point, uh, my like directions are just to pass them. So I'm not looking for something ideal because I'm not 
ready to devote my whole um, concentration and all of my energy to that. But uh, I'm trying to just make that happen as good as I can, but not perfectly. Because uh, perfect takes too much time and it makes you concentrate only on one thing. But I prefer to do multiple things to keep myself busy and interested and um, prevent burning out while doing one thing. So, yeah. And as for anxiety, I think uh, the source for my anxiety is just um, making deadlines, you know, not making everything perfect, but just making sure that I submit everything on time and that I'm not late and that everything is done, basically. So more of following the procedure rather than worrying about the quality, if that makes sense. Yes, I understand. So what I heard there, it's more about the Pareto principle where you're trying to get it 80% good enough because to get it to 100, that will take too much effort. And you're trying to keep busy and interested because only doing one thing might exhaust you mentally and get you to even burn out, which will be a total loss. Plus, you have deadlines about different papers, so you cannot just spend your time on one. Otherwise, you'll fail at the others. Did I understand correctly? Yes, exactly. That sums it up pretty correctly. Thank you. And since you're involved in non-formal education in the domain of diplomacy, well, and you're immersed totally in the educational system of the U.S., and you've been a flex uh, participant and alumni, so you had that experience. What are your thoughts on the educational system in Ukraine? Uh, well, that's a complex issue. Not a problem, but an issue. So I think uh, Ukrainian education level is how it is written in the laws and all of those uh, like official papers. It's aiming for something good, to get good coverage, to cover maximum students, to get them involved with so many different things. And actually, the programs themselves aren't that bad because, for example, in sciences, we cover maximum information so that every child has basic understanding of how things work in the world. And it's really great to have that basics when you graduate from high school. But at the same time, the teaching level is struggling in many places. And we have this weird saying that if you cannot find a path, go teach. And unfortunately, that brings a lot of people who maybe who are lost in a way, um, who do not like kids and who cannot decide on what to do with their lives. And it brings them to teaching. And we end up with uh, educators who actually hate children, who hate the subjects they teach, who hate um, just the whole school system. And that's kind of unfortunate because uh, a lot of kids, um, okay, a lot of kids depend on those educators and the outcomes of their studies depend on the educators. So I think that's the biggest issue right now. Also, uh, within the school system, we lack practical knowledge. So yeah, I know how to solve different equations in chemistry, but I have no idea how they function in real life when you take different samples and like mix them together. And I have no idea how, how that happens because I was never 
experiencing that in my school here in Ukraine. As for higher education, I think um, one of the issues is that we do not have enough prof orientation um, in our teenage years where we would be like going through workshops and uh, trainings on how to determine what you want to be in the future. Like, are you a people's person? Are you like really practical? What are you looking for? And a lot of kids end up in the majors they actually do not want to do. And, and, and most of them would not drop out because like, oh my God, what will people think if I drop out of college? Will I be able to enroll again and how that's going to happen? So we get a bunch of young adults who hate their majors, who have no idea how to apply it in real life. And it just turns out sad and and they become sad adults. And I think it's just um, ruining the whole thing in literally any country. Because if you have a bunch of really sad and unsatisfied adults, what's going to happen to the kids? So yeah, uh, education is a complex thing, and you need, I, in my opinion, like that's from my experience and what from what I've seen and what I've observed at many levels in many places, is that it all starts with people, and you can have the best program and the best books and the best resources, but if the people on both ends hate what they're doing, the results will be not as satisfying as they could be. Thank you. I agree with you 100%. And if I heard you correctly, it's about the lack of intrinsic motivation, whether in teachers or in the students who feel pressured, and therefore it's extrinsic motivation to choose the majors they choose. Their heart is not in it. There is no intrinsic motivation, and therefore the teachers aren't passionate and showing that excitement to the students and the students are just going through the motion, not knowing or feeling that passion for what they do. And therefore, at some point, they will hate whatever it is. They will feel the learned helplessness or a sense of hopelessness. And that messes up the whole system, even though, in theory, you could have the best educational system and resources but if this people's problem exists, no system can succeed. Did I understand correctly? Yes, exactly. Because also, like, uh, I'm a sociology major and we think in structures and like all of this inequality thing. But every society is a structure. And if your educational institution as a whole isn't succeeding based on the structure, you're not getting success in this whole system because if one little piece is struggling, you cannot call it a like universal success. And I think that's what happens with schools a lot. And what I really appreciate um, are the tendencies in the last couple of years with programs like Teach for Ukraine, I think. It's um, a project started a couple of years ago based on the one they have in the U.S. when young professionals um, go and work in schools for two years of their lives and they may not be teachers as for their educational background. They can be like on the way to law school. They can be translators. They can be whatever they are, but they take this professional side of them and go uh, share it with the kids, mostly in 
um, poor regions, so like villages and small towns. Um, and that's amazing because you both involve uh, passionate adults and you bring that to the kids. And that's what what is making this whole situation much brighter. And another aspect of that is uh, the introduction of many, many, many informal and informal educational methods. So basically education from one person to another one. So like the conversation we are having right now and also education in outside of formal institutions. Because as I can see, um, a lot of teenagers and um, older kids learn a lot from participating in different projects, going to extracurricular activities, so that they, they are involved somewhere else and gaining valuable experience from that. That will also that would that will both benefit their future careers and possibly their future choice of occupation and education for that and also their personalities and i hope that at one point we will be able to introduce that non-formal aspect into formal institutions i really loved how in the us um, in most of cases Students do not see their teachers as enemies because actually your teacher is there to help you succeed, to help you when you are struggling, to devote some a little more of their time to explain something to you. And that's unfortunately is a really rare thing here in Ukraine. But I hope and I know that it's going to become one of the priorities at one of the points of our Educational Thank system you. development, yeah. So if I understood you correctly, it's about thinking about this as systems, or if we think about the theory of constraint, that there will be a bottleneck, that if any system, there is a weak link that will not make the system successful. Like you said, any part of the structure, if it's failing, it means the whole structure is not failing, which is the purpose of the theory of constraint methodologies and you mentioned about bringing passionate people to show their professional side to students maybe even in underprivileged places in particular or all of ukrainian students so that they're not only exposed to people like the teachers who didn't choose that work and therefore they have no passion they will see an alternative which are the people who are passionate about what you do, as well as peer-to-peer -peer systems of education, where it's not about someone with an authority or formal structures telling them what to learn, but peers teaching each other from their experience, knowledge, expertise, and wisdom, and therefore that can elevate the everything, as well as it adds more of a, a friendly atmosphere because in Ukraine, there is an opposing and almost um, a fight or a hate, love-hate relationship between teachers and students. While we should move more towards a cooperative environment where the students and the teachers are on the same team working together for elevating their education, their skills, and their level of expertise in whatever they're passionate about. Is this correct? Yeah, and exactly. And what I'm like, 
started thinking about uh, right now after your recap um, is one of the concepts I've seen in the U.S. is when students like a child or a teenager's success is a triangular between the student, um, his family, and the teacher. So it's like when they all cooperate together and like share experiences and knowledge and basically do their job at that point of time, it helps the parent succeed as a parent. Um, the teacher see their involvement in this child's life and just the world getting this amazing human being who is growing up in some some sort of harmony at least in it at least um in the zone of educational institution because all of the aspects and all of the sides are working together for the success of this person becoming older thank you so it's like victor frankl's man's search for meaning where we should add more meaning to the teachers' lives so that they see the impact they have on future generations and therefore they will do their job. And let's speak about you on a personal level even more. When sure. you want to relax, to feel alive, to forget all worries and deadlines and problems and structures and sociology and just relax fully, feel alive, recharge your batteries so you don't burn out, what is an activity or a few that you really love? Um, I, I, I love relaxing. I mean, everyone does. Um, throughout last year, um, to escape basically from everything, I, I turned myself to running. Uh, when I was in the US, I did uh, Nordic skiing. Um, and for some reason, that was one of the warmest winters in Minnesota in a long time. So there was basically no snow the whole winter. And we had to run during practice time because we could not ski. And I hated it. Like, I hated every minute of that practice. Every day. Uh, it was the worst time of my every day. I was hating uh, when the clock was showing um, 3 o'clock. Hated it. And uh, I came back a um, couple years went by. And I think last summer... Um, I had a really stressful job. Um, I needed money and I decided to try myself in sales. Um, and I thought that I was a person who was good with stress and working under stress and under pressure. Turns out I'm not as good in that as I thought. And after one of my shifts at night, I was like, I need to do something to stop thinking about this, like the work and the clients who yell at you on the phone because even though you haven't done anything. So I put my trainers on and I get out outside of my apartment and I just start running. I had no idea how to do that correctly, how to do that so it's not damaging to my body. Um, and I was just like speeding up um, and I felt good. I felt alive and it was a turning point for me. After that, I got a couple books on how to run. And the one would think, like, run, just get out and run. Why would you need to read about that? And it turned out that running is a really complex activity. You got to know about, like, stuff starting from your clothes to the breathing exercises and all of that. 
And I started jumping into that and I love it. I, I'm not planning to run a marathon yet or even a half marathon. I'm not that strong yet. But to keep my mind off things and exercise and just to have this freedom to move and think without any pressure, running is literally the best thing you can find. Another thing I do is that I cook. Um, it's kind of contradictory, you know, running to keep yourself fit and um, baking and making sweets because you love that. So, yeah, uh, that's another thing that keeps me distracted. Um, throughout the last couple of months, I was perfect perfecting my macarons. And out of like six batches, uh, two would be bad for no exact reason even though I used like the same recipes and the same technique and the same pair of hands that I have. But I love getting this beautiful results of some like, you know, exclusive dessert that once was only sold in France. And now I know that I can make it in my own kitchen. So those would be two things that I do right now to like have this um, experience of myself. I also love, um, getting together with people and doing social activities to relax and rewind and just get well when I'm under a lot of stress. But these two are only for myself when I do not need anyone to be with me when I'm doing them. Thank you. And it seems to me that in your mind, the two opposites are stress versus freedom. And I noticed that you use words such as distract myself, escape, in order to speak about escaping and distracting yourself from the stress, how does distracting yourself and escaping give you freedom or get you there? Because it seems to me that it takes you to a different direction other than pure joy of freedom. So um, I see myself as a free human being. And um, I don't feel uh, that stressed the whole time. Um, but there are two periods in the year when the deadlines are there. And most of the time I concentrate on like life work balance and um, first like uh, planning my uh, free time and then accordingly planning my work and uh, my classes and all of that. But there are two periods of the year. It's April and December when all of those things just get messed up. I feel like I will learn to manage that as I grow older, but currently receiving my under undergrad, it's it's not possible yet. So I feel like uh, me talking about stress is just this weird point of life when you caught me. <laughs> uh, yeah, most of the time I'm I'm really chill. Not not today, but <laughs> most of the time. Um, as for escaping, um, I feel like um, I feel like that's a kind of common thing in the young people right now, is that we all at the age of like 21, 22, are have already had a lot of experiences, both um, life-wise and professionally wise, and it's kind of sad that a lot of us are burned out because of the things we have done already. And it's not only connected with school, but also with like projects and being involved and doing things. 
because a lot of my peers, uh, like actually my like social circle, most of us started participating in all sorts of projects at the age of 14. So for me personally, it's been more than seven years of doing stuff. So at this point, I feel like um, after I'm done with my undergrad, uh, I'm planning a gap year to do a lot of meditation and learning a lot of lifestyle techniques so that my uh, youth years are not impacting me as an adult so that I can move forward as a more powerful individual into something, you know, more substantial, bigger. That's the Thank plan, you. at least. <laughs> One second, that's good. And you said you'd like to learn lifestyle techniques. Well, as a sociologist who was speaking about structures, isn't that trying to solve the symptom rather than the root cause? Couldn't be there a structural issue causing the burnout that cannot be solved through such techniques, but through restructuring? Uh, you know, looking from sociological perspective, we are all born into a structure. And in really, really not that many cases, people can change their position in the structure. Because most of the time, you are born in one like layer, if we like go to colloquial speaking, and you actually remain there the whole time. And I'm, I'm really satisfied with the position I have in this society. Um, it doesn't mean that I won't be aiming for something bigger, but if I remain at the same level socially, um, it will be a good life. And um, changing the lifestyle and learning about that, I'm not talking about how to get from, you know, um, like that movie from Slumdog to a millionaire. I'm talking more about um, changing my personal lifestyle. So it's not about uh, money or income or opportunities and possibilities. It's more about uh, like becoming healthier, concentrating more on my mental health doing more exercising, for example, reading more, um, concentrating more on self-education and stuff like that. It will not give me, another, give me a place in another totally different part of the structure. I will still be, I still, I will still be in the same actual like, structural place. But as for personality growth, I will be changing through that period of time. Thank you very much. And as someone who is active, and you said since you were 14 years old, for seven years now, etc. Why? And this is an, something that I'm trying to understand more to help with the brain drain outside of Ukraine. Why did you choose to stay and live in Ukraine rather than pursue your education and professional career somewhere else? Um, that's an amazing question. Um, so I came back from the U.S. Um, I was almost 18. Um, I was thinking of going and getting my undergrad abroad. And I, I was pretty sure that I was capable of doing that. I had pretty nice test scores and I had active uh, social background. Um, and I'm a smart human being. 
But at some point, I had so many projects here, and I was loving them. Um, and I had a list of pros and cons um, in one of my favorite not- notebooks. And the conclusion I got is that I could benefit more while doing my undergrad in Ukraine than, than what I could achieve abroad. And I wasn't thinking about formal education. I was more thinking about the change I can be. So, um, for example, with social reforms and changes, Ukraine is falling behind, behind many, many developed countries. And if I could um, join that in Ukraine at that point of time, I could benefit more as a professional as an activist and as a human being rather than um, benefiting from the things that are already done abroad. And like two and a half years in, almost three, after I started my undergrad here, I'm, I haven't regretted doing that. I'm planning on enrolling in a grad school abroad. I'm not sure where yet. I just have the a major in mind. And uh, I think that would be good was that would really fit me was the background I have here was the things I've done over the last many years. And I think that is the best combination of uh, educational backgrounds and experiences that will bring me to my professional goal in a couple of years. Thank you. And I'm really curious what that favorite notebook contains. It's probably a lot of cool stuff. And tell me about the NGO you started. Why did you feel the need to start a new NGO rather than join any other initiative that is already there? What is the purpose? What is missing? What is the change you're trying to create in Ukraine? Um, So almost 10 years ago, um, in 2012, uh, I first did Model UN at the school I went to. And it just sucked me in. I loved it so much from the very first second. And it actually became my main hobby at the age of 12. And uh, it really changed um, my perception of things and probably changed um, who I was going to be at that point. Uh, A couple years later, uh, I was a part of United Nations Youth Advisory Panel in Ukraine. Um, It was an advisory youth organ um, under UN system here in Ukraine. And we did a lot of consultations with the agencies on how to implement youth policies and how to get youth involved in their projects. Uh, we were at the start of U Report project. You definitely know about it since you worked with UNICEF here. And then I went to the U.S., came back. I was missing a lot of this activism in U.S. because uh, a lot of activities the kids and young people get involved in in the U.S. are concentrated around their schools or churches or communities or youth centers, while in Ukraine. It was all on a bigger scale to me, and I was really missing that. So I came back from the U.S., and we kept doing model UNs in different universities and with NGOs. And at one of the conferences, which was Lviv International Model UN, um, 
couple of my friends and colleagues and I sat together and we were like drawing this huge mind map of what we can do with the resources and experience and the connections we have and how that can be beneficial. And finding a new NGO seemed like the best suitable framework to implement those ideas. So we started Platform of New Diplomacy. Um, what we actually do in like real life, first um, direction is that we help schools, youth centers, um, and just like uh, groups of activists to implement um, simulation games in their communities or whatever. Uh, we teach them from getting the idea to uh, holding a conference or a meeting or whatever format they choose because we, our team has a lot of experience from being a delegate to being a speaker, an organizer, and just like a partner in that. And we share the philosophies and the game rules. And I personally really enjoy that because uh, over the years, I've seen many conferences being executed, uh, including a couple conferences in New York City, which are considered to be one of the biggest conferences in the world. Uh, before pre In pre-pandemic times, they would have 1,700 delegates from more than 60 countries of the world. And I got a chance to be in their organizing committee twice in 2018 and 2019 and 2020. And sharing that experience with uh, local communities in Ukraine has helped me grow as a trainer and as uh, a person who can do consultations. And I think that's a great thing uh, in our activities. Uh, also, we join projects of colleagues in the field and hold our own conferences. Our like <laughs> home conference is Lviv International Model UN. And unfortunately, it was canceled last May because of coronavirus. And we decided not to hold an online conference because it would not provide us with satisfaction uh, we get from the live conferences of seeing like this 120, 150 participants being really excited about international issues and talking about that and becoming this uh, actors in the role play. So we are hoping for uh, the quarantine to be done in the next couple years to get back on track. Uh, surely the concept and the way of holding such a conference will be changed but it would be interesting to get back to the roots after the experience the world has gotten in the last uh, 15 or so months i'm not sure about that since you're taking a gap year so <laughs> it's gonna be even further than that but i encourage it really and that's why i'm asking when you're not in december or april where mm -hmm. the deadlines are looming and you have more of a work-life balance. And I noticed that in Ukraine, a lot of people are forever imbalanced and skating at the edge of burnout. What would, your be, what would be your advice, recommendation, or method to have more of a balanced lifestyle? I know you'll learn more in that gap year, but for now, what would you say? What would you share? What would you recommend? Um, 
One of the main life lessons I've learned in the last couple years is that it's okay to say no. Uh, what I mean by that is that it's okay to go away from the activity that brings you nothing. I mean, I'm not saying that uh, drop out of school if you hate it, but maybe think on, of what can be changed so you don't hate it anymore. Um, so saying no is okay. Um, taking too much responsibility can be bad because uh, the more pressure you put on yourself, the more the probability of you forgetting something or um, not being good at something is showing up. Um, so those are mo those are two biggest things that I follow. Um, it's also connected with the people. So if I feel that the person um, isn't good for me, so I'm not talking about like toxic relationships or something like that, but if I do not feel good around a human being, I mean, I, no one needs that friendship if it's not bringing you anything except negativity. And also I try to adapt to situations. So if I have a hard class or a hard assignment at work or thing that I'm trying to conquer, I try to concentrate on the positive. What I can get it, I try to change my personal perception of situation. So I'm not approaching it with hatred. I'm approaching it with curiosity, with um, like power and just like motivation to get done with it. And the situation actually changes if you change your attitude. So that helps me to deal with my life work balance when I'm not under final stress. Thank you. That's really, really good advice. And whatever projects you're working on, etc., if people wish to be involved or to follow you or to communicate with you or to learn more, what would be the best links or social media to discover more? Um, so first point, um, at this point of our lives, um, I would say uh, the easiest way to contact the organization would be the Instagram page, which is Platform for New Diplomacy. There is a pretty cool owl wearing a mask on the profile picture, so you cannot miss it. Or contact me personally. Um, all of my social media is either Lisa Fedorovska or Elizaveta Fedorovska, and I'm pretty responsive. So hit me up if there are anything you would be interested in or you would need help or consultation. I'm I'm pretty constantly online, uh, so it's easy to reach me. And I feel like in this constant communication, the new ideas are born and new connections and partnerships are made. So um, yeah, that would be amazing. Then what are your thoughts about social media? Do you feel it's a negative distraction or it's a great way for communication and it did positively impact Ukraine, your life and the world? Um, I feel like um, as many, many things in the world, social media has both sides to it. Uh, if we look from a communicational and... Uh, professional point of view i love this the connections we can get through social media how many people we can reach with that how easy it became to get involved um and like partner up with people who live many 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 thousand of kilometers away from you if we look from 
personality point of view and personal relationships, I feel like with many cases, social media is taking away this uh, sincerity of the protest and uh, can be actually really hazardous, like in the meaning of real hazard to the mental health. Um, Because what I observe right now in my friend circle and in myself sometimes that by using Instagram, a lot of people have been feeling depressed lately. And uh, there is a great book on that. Um, I think in Ukraine, they translated it as, as Instabrain. So it actually explains in scientific terms on how social media and Instagram itself can be bad for your mental health. And it explains why after scrolling your feed for like 50 minutes in, before going to bed, is not making you any good and if you do not uh, take it as personally as we as humans can social media can be a good thing but um, if you get too involved and you feel pressured to perform or to live a different lifestyle or just feeling a lot of negativity i think it's totally okay and totally reasonable to quit social media for some time in 2021 because uh, we still can be connected without watching thousands of stories every day from people who actually cannot who actually do not mean that much thank you very much lisa it was actually really cool i enjoyed it a lot and i wish you a great day and during this time i wish you to finish all of your papers Thank you so much. I, I hope they, they're going to be done in the next couple of days and I will get to enjoy some sunshine and running and baking cookies at home. Macarons. Yeah, macarons and all of the other tasty sweets I can do.